ships a cakewalk. If we're behind them, never mind, we'll fight and fight and kill the good old colony. Welcome to AFLW One-Eyed Tigers and Pies, the podcast where we explore all things AFLW, so long as they're black and white or yellow and black. I'm Alexandra and I'm a One-Eyed Collingwood fan. And I'm Tony and I'm a One-Eyed Richmond fan. So Alexandra, welcome back to another week of AFLW. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here. We're up to week five. Who knew we'd get this far? Uh, That's right. I'm quite sure. I wasn't sure whether we'd lose interest or our listeners would lose interest, but we're still getting good feedback, so we'll keep going. We are getting some great feedback, and I would just like to share with you a little bit of feedback from Mum, because Mum's mum's an avid listener. A dedicated. What's what's Mum say about us? She'd like the podcast more if I swore less. Right. That's that's an interesting perspective because I actually think I'd like the podcast more if you swore more. <laughs> yeah, so mum, thanks for the feedback. I'm really sorry, but um, shit, I don't know how not to swear. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little bit of feedback from um, Charles, call out to Charles, listening from um, Sydney. He said that he loves hearing us talk about Collingwood and Richmond losing because as an Essendon supporter, that's the only joy he's getting out of the women's game at the moment. Well, no problems. Don't worry, Charles. This week, I'm here for you. I've got you covered. The other thing that I did want to mention is the Outer Sanctum um, do a podcast. They were the they were the podcast that got me into podcasts. They're amazing. They now have a, a radio show on ABC on Saturday mornings during AFLW season. And last week... They covered two critical issues in in AFLW, 50-metre penalties and ACL injuries. Wow, that's fantastic. They clearly know what they're talking about, if that's what they're uh, they're on to. Well, I think they'd obviously listened to our podcast and then decided those were the critical issues to uh, address because they're exactly the same ones we ranted about last week. Um, just some more feedback there. Dad says that the experts they had on were better than ours. Well, in our defence, we're not actually experts. No. We never claim no. to be. No, we don't. No. All right, let's get into the nitty-gritty of it. Let's uh, review the games. Okay. Uh, do you want to go first? Because I, I really don't want to talk about it. I would love to go first because uh, Collingwood and the Bulldogs was a fantastic day down in Morwell um, and Collingwood played brilliantly. They controlled the play all day. Um, they were they were they had their running game back, but, oh, my God, they were fierce. They were so hard at the tackles. Um, the key stat for the game to me, this stood out to me after the game, was our inside 50 count was 35 to 15. So we had way more of the ball in our inside 50s. Tackles inside 50 were 19 to 4 our way. That's ta- so that's inside the attacking 50. That's a pretty dramatic difference. Yes. So we we were inside our forward 50 more than twice as much as they were and they managed to lay one-fifth of the tackles in that time. Well, it's a good stat, and I like the fact that um, you're talking right up front about data to analyse the game, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I hope that I managed to do the numbers right. But anyway, our tackling was fierce. The game was brilliant. Um, Chloe Malloy, um, who we absolutely love, had a blinder. Um, She kicked three goals, one of them uh, without her boot, 
That was that was brilliant. That was so really good. With, she actually kicked it with the foot that didn't have a boot on. Yes, she did. That's impressive. Ran into goal. She, that was a brilliant goal, um, and she she you know dodged a tackle, picked up the ball, put on a burst of speed to escape the tackler, bounced, kind of dropped it, fumbled it, had to slow down to pick it up, got tackled again, dodged the tackle, lost a boot, kicked a goal. That's actually more impressive, I think. It it was it was extraordinary. She was the only bounce for the game. I, I'm I'm a big fan of the bounce. I, I love I, the um, bounce. It's a sign, actually, that um, your team is running hard. That you're actually able to get out in space and take the time to get a bounce. That's right. Um, the other key players look. Jamie Lambert, of course, was um, brilliant as she always is. Uh, Britt Benici is just having a breakout year, and I say that, but she was actually great last year as well, and I, I love her to pieces. Um, but she was so solid, had a brilliant game, and Bree Davy. Um, I think I said last week she had her best game in Collingwood Colours. Well, this week she had an even better game. Um, so she was, um, I think she's up for, you know, player of the round or whatever the competition is that the AFLW run, but she um, she was just all over everything. So it was really good. Um, on a side note, I took um, our sister Cathy came to the footy with us for the first time. I think it was her first time at a women's match. Right. And she lives down that way because we were on a road trip to Morwell um, and so we stayed down at her place because she lives down that way. She enjoyed uh, the game? She had, a, she had a lovely time at the game and she's agreed that we can name her next two chooks, Chloe and Britt. That's awesome. That, that's yeah. clearly a sign of someone who's, uh, who's turned into a fan. Okay, so, so just uh, touching back on Brown and Davies' game again, there were some pretty impressive stats I saw out of there, 30 possessions and 10 tackles. They're quite elite numbers. Yes. We're good at elite numbers at Collingwood. Um. I see where this is going and I think it's unfair. How about how about Ebony O'Day who had nine tackles but only one possession? <laughs> she didn't really. She did really. That's great. I, lo- I love Ebony O'Day. Um, she has a little bit of a little bit of a story to her as well. She um she played under um, our coach Steve in Norwood or somewhere over in South Australia, and then she had a year on GWS's list and uh, ended up um, not playing a game there. So she's played her first game for Collingwood a few weeks ago, and she's doing really well. She was playing in the midfield, and I'm sure I saw her got a clearance. Maybe that was her one possession. I, I think that might have been her clearance. Yeah. So we move on to the Richmond game. Unfortunately. If you would like to talk about the Richmond game, you can. Well, I don't really – I don't have much to say about it, to be perfectly honest. It was ugly. It was a very ugly game. Obviously, what we talked about last week was Richmond needs to spread the load. We can't just let Conti and Monaghan do everything. And let's face it, Monaghan's playing in, in the back line. So we can't let Conti be the only person who gets disposals. So have a guess what happened. Are you surprised? Um, I'm not surprised, and I did actually add this up. Um, so last week they had a quarter of your total possessions. This week they had more than a third. Yes. And so I actually went back and looked at the history, and so far for the season only two players have had over 50 disposals for Richmond for the year. That's in five games, and that's those two again. So, look, Richmond has a problem in the midfield, and until we actually get some midfielders, I just can't see us improving. Having said that, I'll predict us to win the next week, I'm sure, anyway. But what I actually did on the weekend, which was way more fun than watching the Richmond game, was I went down to Fremantle Oval to watch Freo play Brisbane. 
Well, Tone, that's not what you said you were going to do. You said you were going to go down to some other oval I forget the name of and watch West Coast play Gold Coast. Yeah. Like a lot of my predictions, I'm working kind of a week ahead. So this week I'll go down to Lathlion to watch West Coast. Instead, right. I went down to Freo. So I just want to apologise to all our listeners who rushed off down to Lathlion on Sunday. It's a lovely part of the city. I'm sure you had a great time. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about in the Freo game was, A, what a great high-quality game that was. That was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic football, great tactics, really great to watch. But more importantly, I found a new favourite player. Who's not a Richmond player. Who's not a Richmond player. So Sabrina Duffy. So A, her, we sat next to her dad, so that's pretty awesome. But at half time, I actually checked the stats and she'd had five disposals, which you think, yeah, yeah, that's okay. But what was great about it was she had five kicks and kicked three goals too. So she hadn't hand passed and every time she got a kick, she was kicking for goal. So That's fantastic. I, I got onto Duffy Watch at that point. At the end of the game, she had nine disposals, zero handballs, nine kicks, and do you know what she'd done? She kicked 4-4. Four, four. So, oh, that is so cool. That is awesome. So at which point I went, hey, this is interesting. I wonder how often she actually does hand pass. So I went back and looked, and she for the season she's had 34 kicks and eight hand passes, so just handballing 19%. But of those 34 kicks, she's had 16 scoring shots, not counting any out on the fools. So half the time she gets the ball, straight for goal. I love it. <laughs> did, you, did you tell her dad all of this? Um, no, I figured this out later. And her dad's actually uh, from Queensland and uh, apparently doesn't never really watch footy before, so probably wouldn't be quite as excited about the nerdy stat stuff as I am. But I don't know if you're aware, but Richmond, the men's team, has a famous player who really didn't handball much and kicked at goal. You may not have heard of him, but Kevin Bartlett was renowned for not handballing. I thought, all right, that nine disposals, nine kicks, 4-4, four, four, you know, that's that's pretty intense. That's pretty hungry. So I went back and looked at Kevin Bartlett's career stats. KB used to hand pass 9% of the time. 9%. That's less than Duffy. So in, in no matter how hungry Duffy was, that puts it in perspective. Still not as hungry as Bartlett. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you for that nerdy rant, Tony and uh, Sabrina. Duffy. And I managed to tie it back um, to Richmond. Yeah, you did. You did tie it back to Richmond. So our, our rule of only talking about Richmond and Collingwood players, it's it's um, gone off a little bit. But yeah, uh, so Sabrina I may Duffy start a new. I may look to start a slightly new uh, trend, which is Duffy handball watch as we go on. Uh, we'll just keep you updated as the season goes on. Yep. Oh, great. Uh, that's all I want to say, really. Well, before we leave Richmond, we should just talk about the bold predictions because uh, your bold prediction was for three midfielders to get more than 10 possessions. How did that go? And I'm claiming a win. So despite Monaghan and Conti getting a third of our possessions, and possibly this is even worse, we actually got three midfielders, Campbell, Dempsey and Conti, all got 10-plus possessions. So for the first time, I got a prediction right. How did you go? What do you want me to do? Give you a pat on the back or, a, you know, rousing cheer? Yay. A, a simple well done would have been enough. Well, I just feel like you set such a low bar. Um, I want you to go at, I want you to do it a little do I think we need to we need to set the bar higher next. All week. right. All right. I'll go out on more of a limb. So how did you go this week? 
Well, I predicted that Collingwood would win and we did. Woohoo! Right. And speaking of low bars. Yeah, I know. I know. That was quite a low bar, but I was quite depressed last week about the game the week before. So, you know, we'll put it in context. It was a great win. I'm very excited. I'll up the ante this week. Uh, we are playing Brisbane up in Brisbane. Um, so that's a tough ask. Um, they're coming off their only loss for the season, so they'll be fired up. Uh, and I'm going to predict it'll be a goal a goal fest. I'm predicting a goal fest. I think we'll end up with more than 120 points in total, highest scoring game of the season. That's a big call. That's actually not just highest scoring game of the season. That's one of the highest scoring games of all time. I know. But if Richmond can be involved in the third highest scoring game of all time, Collingwood can be involved in the highest scoring. Fair enough. That is definitely a bold prediction. Okay, so for my bold prediction, I'm going to say something radical. Taylor Style, she'll turn it on. She'll show us why she's the awesome player we thought she would always be, and she'll double her entire season's goal tally. What is her goal tally at the moment? Well, so far it's just one, but... See, that sounded like a bold prediction when you said it, but you're not selling me. Come on, triple. 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 All right, go for triple. That's even bolder. (laughs) Okay, triple. Okay, Taylor Style, I hope you're listening. We're uh, we're barracking for you. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to always the favourite part of the podcast. Time for your rant. What topic would you like to bring up today, Alexandra? I would like to talk about pay disparity. This should be fun. This is going to be great fun, and I'm a little bit worried about how long we'll go on it, but um, there's so much to talk about. Um, One of the things that, one of the reasons that I want to talk about pay disparity is because of um, cricket's example of doing things completely differently to the AFL. I'm not sure if you're aware. Um, You must be living under a rock if you're not aware, but uh, there were 86,000 people at the MCG on Sunday night watching the women's T20 final. Well, I was another viewer on Foxtel, so I was totally aware of it and loved it. And even though it wasn't much of a game, it's still fantastic to uh, grind your opponents into the dust. It is always a good thing to do that. So um, the you, you were one of the 405,646 viewers on Foxtel. So that makes it the largest attendance at a women's sporting event in Australia, the largest attendance at a women's cricket match globally, and the most watched women's sport event in history. That's awesome. It is. It's almost like if you professionalise women's sport and market it properly, the quality will increase and people will be interested. That is a, that's quite a uh, theory you have there. Interesting. It is a theory. Let me just tell you about the ICC. Um, well, actually, it's the Cricket Australia who I really want to lord here. So the International Cricket Council um, did significantly increase the prize money for this tournament. So they're making a statement and saying we need women's cricket um, to be a more significant part of our international game. But there was still a gap and Cricket Australia is making up the shortfall. So they are bridging that gap so that if their women won, which they did, they will receive the um, equivalent to the men's winnings if they won a World Cup. That is absolutely fantastic. What you actually have now is you have a career path, I guess, for elite female cricketers. You can make a living on that. You can make a living on it. So um, cricket 
cricket players, nationally contracted cricket players, women's cricket players, receive an average wage of more than $180,000 a year. That is, like these are the elite players, um, but they can absolutely make a living. They can be full-time professionals earning a decent living, though that's a good living, um, playing full playing full time. This is new. This is very new. Like it, it's it, we're talking the last couple of years, but it is extraordinary. And look what it's achieved. Yeah. So this is something that they introduced in the last wage agreements. I think the last two years, one year yeah. ago. Hmm. Um, so I just want to compare that to AFLW players. The nationally contracted players receive an average wage of more than $180,000 a year mm. in cricket. How much do you think AFLW players earn? I, I reckon you're going to tell me. $16,263. Yeah. So that's okay. not enough so- to last 12 months. <laughs> It's not enough to last four weeks. <laughs> well, maybe four weeks. It's not enough to last. So women cricketers are on 180000 a year. The top women footballers are on 28000 a year. So they're more, more than $150,000 less. The average AFLM player is on 371000 So uh, you're the maths person, Tone, but... Well, hang on, and the and the top is on one point two million. The top AFLW player doesn't even make it into a point two. There, I, I'm really I'm struggling with this inequality. So, so yeah, statistically and mathematically speaking, that's a shitload less. <laughs> the reason they've done this is that they are deliberately making it a part time competition. So it's twenty weeks a year, but they're only allowed to spend. They're only allowed to have thirteen contact hours per week. So the problem with that, I, I don't think the injuries um, are unrelated to that. The fact that they're only allowed to have 13 hours per week at the club in pre-season and 10 hours during the season, it means they're training after work when they're already tired or um, stressed or have had other things on for the day. And the club is almost certainly spending that time on skills training rather than fitness training because <laughs> they are only allowed to have 13 hours a week. Um it takes it toll. It takes its toll on the players. Steph Ciocci, our Collingwood's captain, has taken. She's a teacher, and she's taken this term off unpaid um, because she she couldn't cope. She said it, it's it's too much um, to be trying to work and play at the same time, and I can't do it. Um, Amanda Ferugia, who's the she's um, the or she was the captain of GWS, and she was a cult figure up there. She's been the captain since the start. She's a legend of the game, and she quit quit a week before the season, um, saying it's too much. I can't do it. I can't commit to this. They're not the only ones. They're the sort of two high profile ones, but there are other people who've taken a year off. We've had other people who've leave the game because it's too hard. It's it is an untenable situation. So I, I actually I'm completely aligned with you that it is problematic that we don't have a full time women's women's competition. I'm completely on board. It's what they're being paid at the moment. Yeah, it's part time, and you can't expect people to give up any sort of full time job with all the future ratings that come after that for something that you know is not able to pay them to do it full time. 
If I was to take a contrarian view, though, if you're talking about wage equity, there's another point which says, well, fundamentally, football is not a, uh, a working in a supermarket. It's an entertainment business, which women's football right now is not paying its way. So if we're talking here about um, you know having equivalent salary caps in men's and women's and the top AF women's football players being paid a million dollars, that's actually not a business model that's going to sustain those kind of losses long term. So I guess the real question I have for you is, are you arguing for equivalents right now with a couple of million dollar players or are you arguing here for a, a base wage that's actually uh, you know, survivable and enable, not even survivable, it enables people to make a considered decision to become a full-time athlete? Uh, I want both. Um, so I acknowledge that um, the women will not be paid um, $1.2 million. Even the best women will not be paid $1.2 million a season um, right now. And I am actually okay with that. But what I will say, there needs to be a period of time when um, we lose money out of that. So the, the AFL needs to actually commit money to um, to women's football to say, yes, we won't make this money back in the immediate short term. And, I mean, they're good at that. Like how much money have they sunk into GWS and the Gold Coast Suns and refused to sink into a Tasmanian team? AFLX, they sink money into ventures that don't make money um, on a regular basis for um, for a, a different purpose that isn't necessarily just about making money in the short term. We need that commitment and we need it to be a serious commitment. There has never been a stage when women's and men's sports w- were on an equal playing field and people simply chose to follow men's sport. So that's not where we're at. It's not like it was all women and men and people preferred men so that's why they now get paid more. When sports were started, the sports that we know today were starting out, women weren't allowed to play or they were discouraged for playing or they weren't being paid to play. They weren't advertised. They weren't marketed. They've never started from square one. They've been discriminated against from the very start. We actually need to pay that back. Like like we need to do some discrimination the other way um, to start to level the playing field. There's no other way around it. Um, you have to invest in order for it to come good. It's an interesting one because coming back to the idea of it being an entertainment business, I paid a lot of money to see Queen recently. I paid a lot less money to see Carnival. Now, that is me paying to see, well, what is perceived to be higher quality. I still think Carnival were better than Queen, but that's my opinion. But that's the, the market price was a lot higher for what was perceived to be a higher entertainment, a higher quality and entertainment. As a consumer, you have that right and that power to make that choice. As an employer, the AFL doesn't. If they are asking men and women to do the same thing, um, they can't pay their women less. Now, there's a problem at the moment because they're not asking them to do the same thing and that's a whole another kettle of fish. So if I take it away from football for a moment, the Australian men's soccer team and the Australian women's soccer team, they are both doing the same thing 
And the women are much better at it than the men. So um, Sam Kerr would look fantastic next to Monique Conti in the Richmond midfield, let me just say that. <laughs> she would. So if you were in the workplace and you were doing the same thing as the woman next to you and she was doing it much, much better and being paid one-tenth of what you were, would you be a little embarrassed about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think the number one thing that needs to happen is that we have full-time AFL W footballers is a start because if we get full-time football, we get higher quality of football, we get a decent career path, we get people who think I can do AFLW for a living and that means you actually get draw people in, you actually get all those other things which bring the money in, which means finally we can actually get to a fair split of the proceeds, which has to be our ultimate goal. I, I just struggle to think and say we need a million-dollar AFLW player now. I agree with you, and I think having a $1.2 million um, AFLW player right now would draw all of the wrong attention to the game. Um, so I I don't think that that's where we need to be right now. We were looking at the um, the minimum wage that for men's footballers. $75,000 for a first-year player. That is at least the absolute minimum. For me, yeah, and and that feels like an absolute minimum for me too. That feels like um, a really good place to start. So I feel like uh, even though I came in from a different perspective, we're actually probably not that far apart. This is a problem. The solution is full time football, and the solution is paying people enough that they can actually give up their day job and be full time. If I could wrap up, then I'd like to point out that this podcast is a completely uh, equitable workplace, you and I earn exactly the same wage. So I'd like to think that we're starting in the place where we want the AFL to finish. I'd really like AFLW players to earn more than um, than we do for doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I'm, I think we earn what we deserve. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Well, I feel like um, that might be a good place to end, Tone. <laughs> it sounds good to me. Where are you off to this weekend? I'm going to see the Bulldogs and Frio at Witten Oval on Sunday uh, because Collingwood is playing on Saturday afternoon in Brisbane and I'm not flying up there for it. Sorry, Pies. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to go and watch a game, but it's quite clear from last week I have no idea what I'm going to do. So I'll just see you at some random football game. <laughs> So let's finish with our, um, our two words. Sign off. Go Pies. Go Tigers.